Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. Let's break down The Last of Us Episode 3, Long, Long Gone. Hello, movie and TV friends. Welcome back to the show. We have another review of the excellent HBO Max apocalyptic series, The Last of Us. And if you thought that it was chopping onions that were making your eyes teary, no, it was actually this episode because what a tearjerker. And Nick Offerman absolutely blew me away in this film. I knew he had great acting and dramatic chops, obviously, but like most people know him from his comedic roles, it's the best acting I've ever seen him do, and I was really impressed. He emoted so well. And just the physicality of the role of Bill where when Frank shows up, we're already getting into it, like it's just his body language. She doesn't really know how to stand. His arms are just like kind of just laying there straight. He doesn't really know how to interact with Frank or actually socialize normally. He's just been alone for so long. He's lost all of those skills. And he played that physicality of someone who's just been alone for four years really perfectly to the T. And I really enjoyed the character. I thought it was really interesting take for an episode of the show it wasn't what i was expecting i was expecting expecting like all out action because i saw you play the bill sequence in the game and it seemed to be just like full throttle killing clickers and runners nonstop. yeah so i'll get into the differences between the storyline of bill's town of the video game versus the show but in, di in addition to nick offerman murray bartlett as frank was also excellent in this role and, you know, right now on IMDb, this episode's at a 9.9, .9, and people are already saying it's one of their favorite episodes of TV of the year, which is such high praise for such a well-made show. The production value of this episode was different than what we've seen so far, but still excellent. And I think that we got a great close-up look a few times at the prosthetics of clickers and runners and the fungi taking over human bodies. We haven't gotten like a long close-up until, you know, Ellie with her curiosity and boldness gets down into that trap door in the basement of the Cumberland Farms kid. Cumberland a, Farms. It's a gas station in uh, Massachusetts, even though they shot this in Canada. Great attention to detail by the We used crew. to hear that theme song on the radio all the time. And so we got a great long shot of... A runner's face or a clicker or I would say that's a clicker. one of the infected. Well, yeah. no, the clicker is the open head. Oh, gotcha. The blossom he, head. They were almost the. They had a like semi blossom. So it's going the on. it's the runners. What's the other the other name? I can't remember. There's some, there's the second one. Then there's the clickers. The third one. The, the third, third the second effort. evolution. It's a stalker. Stalker. So stalker is kind of like that in between from uh -huh. a runner, which is the most humanoid stalkers in the middle. Then the clickers, the complete blossomed open head. And they're blind. The blind they're yeah. blind as well. Got it. And I love the prosthetics. It looks terrific. And I love when Ellie cut open the skin. You can see like that kind of cotton like fabric underneath and it's like it's like a fibrous material yeah, underneath really the skin. Interesting. But the the prosthetics, I was really impressed up close. They held that camera there and they got right up in there and the fungi looked legit. I couldn't see anything that would make me disbelieve that that was real. They did a really terrific job. That hair and makeup team, amazing work. I was totally sold on it. It looked so interesting, disturbing, uh, and I just fascinated about this fungi infection that's going on in this in this apocalyptic universe. I think it's a really terrific, fascinating take on the idea of some kind of outbreak, some kind of virus infecting human beings. I love being in the woods opening up as they're traveling from the city to try to get to Bill's town, which we got the origins of. Bill origins. But I liked how it opened with Joel. He's making this little, like, little rock formation 
on the edge of the creek. And he's, it's just like, he's just expressing himself in a way. No one's going to see it. It's not to show off to anyone. But, you know, he's just doing this because that's like, he, it's a display of his humanity. You know, there's a human being still exists in him, even though he's become so hardened. But it's like a nice little flourish of uh, human expression with that little rock tower. As well as we're getting a lot of moments of him being shut down to Ellie, not wanting to engage with her in conversation. Obviously, he doesn't want to get close to Ellie. He doesn't want Ellie to get close to him. He's been hurt so much in the past. And also, he's blaming Ellie at the beginning of this episode for Tess's death. But by the end of the episode, especially when Ellie kind of stands up for herself saying, like, you didn't have to come do this. You didn't have to do this. You could have just stayed home and done your thing, but you chose to take on this mission that no one forced you to do. So I'm not going to put up shit for something that I didn't make you do. You did it. And kind of, I think Joel, especially after he read the letter that Bill had left him at the end of the episode when they come back several, when he comes back several years later with Ellie to try to see if he could, you know, get some supplies in a battery or car from Bill in Bill's town. He reads that letter. And I think the last few lines really spoke to him about like men like us, we have to, we save and protect. I was so happy when the world left and I love the origins of Bill. Cause this is like his ultimate dream come true. Nobody's around. He has the whole town to himself. He He's smiles it off. He's like drinking all the booze in town. He's got all the supplies. He's got everything he needs. He's hunting. He's, he's eating a delicious steak dinner every night. He's growing his own vegetables and fruits. So he's, he's the happiest he's ever been until he meets Frank. Frank falls in that hole. And then he realizes that I was wrong there. There was at, there was one person worth saving and protecting, and you know that's what our job is. That's what we're meant to do right now. And Joel, you're you're one of those guys. You and that's him basically translating. And Joel reads it as, "I have to protect Ellie now, and I've, I'm saving her and I'm protecting her." Yeah, it's about the importance of human connection, and that's the whole point of like living. And I suppose Bill never found that because when he and Frank are intimate for the first time, he tells Frank that he's never done that before. He's only had sex once with a, a woman a long time ago. And so he's very much never opened up to anyone, you could you could say, in his entire life. And he's an older, he's pretty old at this point. He's in his, at least four, at least his 40s. So I thought it was a great take on the character. Uh, from what I saw, though, it's quite different from the video game. Because I remember, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw bits and pieces. And uh, Bill was more of just like survival, survival mode. He had like a bunch of areas in this town that he had like equipped to protect himself and and but Frank was in it and he had hung himself if I remember correctly I'm not sure why I just walked by the TV watched it for like a second and he was explaining that his partner Frank had hung himself in the game so what exactly is the Bill Frank storyline in the video game so compared to the to the show which I think I understand why they made these specific changes it's more palatable for an audience so in the game, it differs, which is pretty badass. Let's hear it all. So you basically, you're with Ellie, and you're going to Bill's town to try to get a battery. In Lincoln. In Lincoln, yeah. Massachusetts, kid. We live not far from there. And so Bill in the game, as far as I've made it in the game, I'm, I'm like almost halfway done with it. He's kind of just the youngest version of himself that we saw. He's got like gray hair, but he's still very spring and just a survivalist mode. He doesn't have this like very pristine lifestyle, I would say, or very eloquent lifestyle. That Sophisticated. Yeah, upstairs yeah. versus the downstairs where his armory is. So Joel and Ellie show up to Bill's town, and they have to go through all these booby traps, basically, and trip wire, and you kill a bunch of stalkers and runners. And I'm sorry, did Joel know Bill? They knew each okay. other. And it, it, it's implied that 
Bill owed Joel a favor for something serious, and like uh-huh. that's why he showed up and knew that Bill would hook them up with something. He's like Joel, like Bill owes me. I remember he was reluctant to help Joel, but he's like, okay, when I, when I do this, we're done, and I my I don't owe you anything anymore. I remember, I remember that. So yeah. in the game, you basically it, it's one of my favorite parts of the game so far is going through Bill's town, avoiding his booby traps, which is and he's got the whole place fenced off. You also get the bow and arrow, which I'm oh, sure nice. will show up at some point in this game. And well, because he got rid of the rifle. In early in the episode, Joel. So I'm yeah, sure yeah. the next weapon he's gonna pick up is the bow and arrow. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, I was. I'll get to the guns in a little bit. I understand why he got rid of the rifle. Yeah. The assault rifle. It makes total sense because there's no ammo for this anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's kind of pointless. And same thing with the game. There's. It's very scarce on ammo, so it's a. It's an incredibly strong weapon, but you never get to use it really. And it's heavy. Yeah, exactly. Lugging so that around sense. all day. It makes sense for him just putting it in the cupboard under the floorboards just to save on a rainy day if you ever stumble across some ammo. Otherwise, it's just taking up space. And, and wait for carrying and so when you get into bill's town you get the bow and arrow you take up some clickers and then you joel and ellie you are obviously they couldn't do this because of bu- budget constraints on the show yeah i think that's one of the main reasons why they changed the, it up you're so you're talking much. about like a set environment you are on the run and fight a ton of runners and clickers when you're in bill's town you get chased by them multiple times huge sets and exterior locations in the game in this sequence where we're like outside of a school we're going inside of a school to get a car battery that's supposed to be in there for a different for a car that bill has at his house at lincoln high yeah so I, yeah they have to go to lincoln high to get this car battery you battle what's called the bloater which oh, is the a, blo- i saw that part yeah I, i'll save that in case you don't know what that is yet it, you, you'll battle a blower but you you fight a lot of runners clickers and stalkers when you eventually get the battery to the truck and then it's one of my favorite sequences is where you have to jumpstart the truck while it's moving. So <laughs> oh, cool. Ellie goes in the driver's seat and you guys put the battery in there, but you have to spark it and you have to basically jumpstart it while you're, you don't have anything to jumpstart it with except for the momentum from the from the car and whatever, however that works engineering wise. It's like the pistons. So they have moving. to. Yeah, exactly. So you have they were so Joel and Bill have to push from the back of a pickup truck out of a garage and while Ellie's steering, trying to ignite it every time, like every minute or so that you're pushing the truck, runners and clickers come oh my out of nowhere. So you're just like pushing the truck, then you have to kill a bunch of clickers and runners. Then you have to push the truck again, <laughs> kill a bunch of runners and clickers. Then you push the truck until Ellie finally starts it. Then y'all back jump into the back of the back bed of the pickup truck and you take off to safety. It's it's super badass. That sounds terrifying. So I was kind of hoping I'd see. Like some of that going on in this episode. Again, I think they did it because that budget, that's a movie to make. You know, that's $100 million to make that as into a TV episode. Like they obviously can't pull it off. So they made the big change where we show Bill and Frank getting old and dying together. And sorry, back on the game, what was Frank and Bill's relationship in the game exactly? So in the in the game, Frank's dead. Uh-huh. So they show up to Bill's house, or the, not to Bill's house, but they're like going through Bill's town, his neighborhood. And you stumble upon Frank's house, and Frank had hung himself. Uh-huh. And Bill had not discovered it yet, I, I don't think. Uh, yeah, so Bill didn't know yet, but Frank had... They were together at some point in their past, but they split up. You mm-hmm. know, they, they couldn't get along, and uh, Frank was sick of Bill being Bill in his secluded little bubble armory just trying to defend himself against the entire world. Oh, so they put that in the show then. So, yeah. yeah, so and then Frank actually hangs himself. I believe in the game he was bit. That's why he hung himself. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I, I think I Like he didn't want to turn. Yeah, he didn't want to turn. Uh-huh. So, okay. yeah, I'm pretty sure he got bit. They stay true to him killing himself, but he does it when they're younger. And Bill's mm-hmm. still younger in the sh- in the game as well. So, they made the decision to have them grow all together, which mm-hmm. was really interesting because, you know, we're in this post-apocalyptic world. 
what are the what is the probability that that could actually happen where you can live a kind of a, basically a normal life even, even like well fenced off obviously well protected you've gotten your supplies from Joel that last year your entire life the right barbed wire still I was a little thrown off by like it doesn't really seem too plausible in a post apocalyptic world but I really enjoyed seeing this this relationship and this marriage by the end of their lives growing old together it was a really beautiful thing to happen in a post-apocalyptic world even if it's not completely plausible yeah i suppose the change was a way of the of the creators and writers being like you know what it's let's show like some humanity in this show it's not just gonna be Clickers and click, shooting clickers in exactly, the head. Exactly. Yeah. Let's actually show you know different like parts of, at different aspects of living. You know, and it was very unexpected, and I liked that. It wasn't one of that because I had watched you play the game, and so when I started watching the episode thirty minutes in, I was like, "Well, this is totally different from the bits that I saw." So I, I thought it was really interesting and a beautiful choice to go like, "Let's just show this relationship and show two characters kind of living a very normal life, as normal as they can, growing old together." developing a strong bond and what also you could see is like they depicted how especially a long relationship like that uh, when you're together for over 15 20 years from what i've read and seen and heard about you know the love obviously is very strong at first and it's it's very passionate at first but then the the love of two people kind of evolves over time and like decades into a marriage or into a long-term relationship like this the love is different it's not like quite as immediate it's more of like it's it, it evolves. It's it's not as passionate as it was back then, but it's it's it gets stronger and deeper in a lot of ways. And you could definitely see that with the partners, especially with how I love how they depicted Frank was pretty much static the whole time in terms of he's very open, he's very comfortable, he's very confident, and uh, is easygoing. Whereas Bill very reserved. Uh, very insecure socially and doesn't really know how to act around Frank at first. But then three years later, they're bickering like a like a married couple. And then uh, 10 years later, they're in a deeply, deeply passionate love relation, lo- loving, loving relationship. And so I like how we saw the evolution of Joel uh, transforming as a human being, opening up this intimate relationship, really helped him evolve as a person. And you, we got the... Uh post-apocalyptic marital disputes that are a <laughs> completely different level about any, nothing you'd imagine where they have this entire town to themselves. It's their their home, their street, and, and Frank wants to be able to paint and use some supplies, but clearly because Bill is such a survivalist, he has control over all the resources. So it's really interesting to see how the mar- marital marital bickering changes in a post-apocalyptic world, which is which is actually really funny. There are a lot of great funny moments in this yeah. episode. And the food and wine was great. I actually, halfway through the episode, I just busted open a glass of wine. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting some thir- thirsty oh, for yeah. some wine. It oh, looks yeah. so good. And then the food, the cooking by Bill, it just looked delicious. Like like the Hannibal TV series where <laughs> when he cooks, it looks so amazing. I love how much the... Abandoned buildings and stuff like that look like the game where half the game of The Last of Us, you're kind of just looking around for supplies. Every time you enter an interior or even when you're walking around exteriors, you're constantly looking for what you can grab. I love how they're starting to pepper that into the show with Ellie and Joel going into that Cumberland Farms kid. Cumberland Farms. Trying to find some supplies. Ellie finds some supplies uh, in that 
underground trap door in the under the basement. floorboards basement. Yeah, the basement. That's the that's the word I'm thinking <laughs> the, of. The underground room that's built underneath the first floor of a structure. And Joel grabs some tools and some some supplies in addition to leaving the assault rifle there. Showed her intelligence because she goes down the hole, but the first thing she does is she sets the barrel, I mean the trash can upside down underneath the hole so if something happens she can get out pretty easily. So I like how they showed that intelligence uh her her ability to survive situations thinking ahead of schedule. I also really love how they waited until episode three to give us some exposition about the theorized uh, source of the origins of the outbreak. And Ellie is peppering Joel with questions while they're walking through the woods 10 miles west of Boston, Massachusetts. Kid, she's like, what started? And he's he gets into the theories of it being flour, which is made from wheat, and how, you know, the entirety of of American grocery stores and products are full of wheat and full of flour. I mean, you can't go through a grocery store aisle except for like gluten-free stuff and everything has flour in it, lots of it. So heavily used processed food is full of it. And so that's why it took out so many people. And he explained how was it Friday, September 26th, 2003 was the day that People started to turn, but they started to get sick and started biting. And then by Monday morning, there was nothing left in the world. He also specified that it was probably like one company that manufactured flour. And those products are being the ones specifically that infected. It wasn't like every company's flour. It's It was definitely, I like that explanation. It was like one company's batch of flours got infected somehow Kellogg's is like oh it wasn't us bro it wasn't us <laughs> just a joke Kellogg's <laughs> look at Dixie bread <laughs> I mean Wonder Bread Wonder Bread <laughs> and so it was probably like one company like like a Kellogg's or like a major brand an umbrella company I would say like a company that manufactures everything from bread to cereal to granola bars what have you things that have flour in it and their products are the ones that like he's like they all hit the stores probably at the same time and then on Thursday people went to those stores buy those products ate that bread ate that flour and then they all got gluten sick and then they <laughs> basically the whole show is be gluten free <laughs> this is a keto friendly show <laughs> it's all it's actually all they're trying to pr promote ketoism <laughs> stay in ketosis bro <laughs> stay in ketosis and intermittent fasting because Joel even said like, someone says that I'm still in ketosis I think in the first episode if I remember correctly or he says I'm on Atkins. What does he say? On Atkins, yeah, which is a it was at the time it was a high fat, low carb diet. Yeah, it was just like high protein, high fat, fats and meats and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. That was a great reference to like Atkins diet was huge in the back 2000s. then. Yeah, everyone was trying it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I like how they did the explanation, but they also filmed it in one take, a very nice long take, probably a minute and a half, with the tracking shot on a dolly, and just. Well, just sidetracking with the characters and I was like oh I love long takes and to see it in a TV show is always fun beautiful exteriors yeah. of Canada uh, but it's actually it looks like on Mass screen it's Lincoln but it looks like Mass this whole show looks like Massachusetts Cal yeah. Canada looks pretty perfect and spot on for yeah, yeah like West, you can get yeah. into the middle of the woods just a few miles outside of Boston yeah just 10 miles outside of Boston and people have houses and they're just surrounded by forest it's really nice also let's get into some other stuff in addition to the exposition about the flour and the wheat and the theorized source of the infection Ellie stumbles upon Ar uh, uh, what's uh, ignorantly in kind of just like I'm a teenager I'm gonna do what I I'm angsty I'm gonna do what he uh -huh. tells me not to do he says don't go we're, we shouldn't go that way because there's something that you shouldn't see they stumble upon 
the remains of the executed civilians that were hoping to go to a QZ quarantine zone years before when the infection was outbreaking, breaking out, but the government had the military execute any people who weren't going to fit in a QZ, which was probably at least half the people that they found. And as Joel says, infection can't spread among the dead. So it's a horrible, tragic thing to see. And But I did like a lot the flashback of that sequence where we see, you know, the, the mother, the dead mother and the dead baby flashing back to them living during this, uh, what's it called? Uh, um, exca- uh, evacuation. That, yeah, evac- the evac- yeah. E- the evacuation of Lincoln, it's Massachusetts. It's a big word. It's a big word. <laughs> Get out, it's late. <laughs> we just watched it. It's 10. All right. The evacuation of Lincoln, and they're painting X on the doors not to go inside of, and we have Bill underneath his floor in his basement, his armory, looking up, kind of hoping that they don't hear him, and then leading to the people getting on the truck, hoping they'll being told they'll be going somewhere safe at a QZ, and Bill just getting the town to himself. And I also like how you can see the difference of how Ellie, growing up with no sense of what the world was like when things were normal, when she sees the wrecked plane in the distance, and she's just overwhelmed and awestruck by it. Like, And she's, like, so jealous. She's like, you got to fly on those. She's like, you got to fly. Like, like you're, that's pretty awesome. And then when she gets in the truck, she's fascinated and looking at every corner and crevice of the truck and looking at all the mirrors. And she's like, it's like a spaceship. And he's like, it's a <laughs> shitty Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> well, get us there. <laughs> I, I love the, uh, the contrast of these personalities of someone who grew up in the normal civilization society before the outbreak happened. And then someone who grew up in a quarantine environment, even though she's been educated, you know, she hasn't, she's lived a very minimalist life of probably just very simple things. Except for that chicken sandwich. Yeah, that chicken sandwich looked nice. <laughs> One good. of my favorite sequences of the season so far was when Bill has the town to himself, and then we have some great classic music playing, and he just raids the entire town of supplies, whether it be natural oil and gas, uh, or also just raiding the Home Depot, getting all the supplies he needs, getting all the liquor from the, the, the little liquor store, all the, all the booze, all the wine. So that was one of my favorite sequences of Bill basically getting his whole town getting together, putting the fence up, digging the hole, setting the booby traps. It was really cool to see the effectiveness of his fencing with the booby traps in addition to like the flamethrowers and stuff like that. That was and the sick. Electrifi- electrified fence and how it took out all these raiders. My, my just one con is like this would have happened probably more frequently, so it's like hard to believe that they would have survived like a, over a decade like in that lifestyle. Yeah. But I mean, you got to accept it for what it is. I, I'm fine with that because I, I just think, uh, I always think production wise, like they can't afford that many action scenes to yeah. make. You know what I mean? And also like that wasn't the point of this story. So I, I accept that. But I had one con to the episode and it was just a little thing. But for me, for what they built up Bill to be, when the Raiders showed up on the exterior fence and he got shot in this in the side of the hip, but he he was standing in the middle of the street firing at them at the uh, fence and it, I th- I found it odd that for someone who seems to be so practiced in such an expert in warfare and firearms and survival for him to just be standing out in the open totally exposed during a gunfight wearing bright white yeah bring, <laughs> wearing bright white the white's okay because he probably just ran out of his yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but there were lots of areas where he could just like crouch behind for protection and safety where he could get clear firings like a clear view of all the enemies being protected behind like a stone wall or something 
So that's my one knock on the episode that it, I found it odd that he was just standing in the street out in the open in a firefight. Why why did you why do you hate this episode? That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty it's pretty bad. I, th- it's I think bad tactics. I think it would have been better if he was hiding behind something, then he saw Frank come out and then he ran over to get get Frank out of there, then he could have gotten shot. You know what I mean? I figured he'd be like on a roof. Yeah, sniping. yeah. I, I was expecting him to be like I was like, "Oh, where's Frank going to be sniping?" He's, he's going to have like a snipe cuz he would have like he he should have probably set up different like sniping coops on tops of buildings for excellent range and for views in case something like this happens. You can just get like in a bird's nest uh, on top of the church or something. So I expected like when the when they were starting to raid the fence, I was like, oh, where's his where's his sniper spot going to be? And then he's just in the street. So that was my one thing with the episode. Otherwise, the episode was fantastic. That's just like the little thing I had. Something I loved about this episode was something we've been getting with this series as opposed to the game, is we're getting, like, the backstory of things that happen we know happening in the game, but we never saw happen. Especially, we talked about how Ellie and Marlene's relationship, we never really saw anything about what their relationship was like before Joel and Tess got into the picture, as well as Joel and Tess and Bill, how their connection was. Specifically, Joel and Bill, how, how did they know each other? We didn't find out, like, in the game what he owed him, but to see like how the relationship formed, how Frank and Tess met on the radio by chatting, and how Joel and Bill are very similar in terms of like <laughs> they have that like nice dinner in the in the afternoon in the sun outside, a very formal like thing compared to the rest of the entire planet being so post apocalyptic and torn apart and, and zombies everywhere. Which was nice. But you see like they both have their own specific roles where Joel's like they go inside and Joel's like Hey man, I, I'm the same as you. Like if 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 Tess brought someone to me to us in our situation, a friend, I'd be made angry too. So like they kind of understand each other, but it's also interesting to see how they both have their own sort of situations. Like we don't know what Joel and Tess is, is was like yet. Maybe we'll get more flashbacks. But to see how like they're trading supplies, they're working together. At first, Bill is very hesitant to work with Joel and Tess because he doesn't trust anybody. He's eating dinner with a handgun in his hand, <laughs> <laughs> and his shirt, the the short sleeve button up, is so funny looking. Ready to ready, yeah. to, <laughs> ready to shoot anybody in the face. But then Joel is really intelligent, clearly, and clever, and and gets Bill to lower his guard and gets him to understand their situations. He's like, I can see your fencing. It needs work. Like, what is that going to last you a year? I got. You, I can give you supplies that will last you forever or save for two lives forever. So he really taps into uh, what he clearly sees as Bill's natural instincts of protecting Frank. And the hair and makeup department, I just got to say, they are doing a phenomenal job of aging and de-aging these actors. I mean, I wasn't expecting to see Anna Torv again, so it was nice to see her back as Tess in this episode, but it's amazing how just a little makeup and gray hair can make someone look so much older. Like, she looked, she looked 20 years younger in this episode. Compared to the first yeah, two. Yeah, compared to the first two episodes. Same thing with with uh, with Pedro Pascal as Joel. They're, they're doing a wonderful job of just subtly de-aging and aging the characters, especially when... When we cut to ten years later to 2023, when Bill has Bill and Frank are old and gray, it's like they looked like they were practically aged. Like it looked so good, but I was very impressed. See, because we saw a younger Joel in the first episode, so we already saw him what he looked like uh, at at 33. Was his age 35 or something 32. like that? 32. No, 36. <laughs> 36. I think. Okay, 36. It, he looked believable. Ish. He <laughs> looked 40. He looked he looked like a young 40. Yeah, but it, good enough for what they needed. And then uh, Anna Torv as Tess, she looked so much younger, and 
it was, and then I'm like, okay, they did a phenomenal job aging her in the first two episodes because she, this is obviously what she really looks like in real life, and she looked so weathered, so beaten down by life with the gray. It's amazing how the gray hair and a little makeup can really transform someone. Same thing with Pedro Pascal. So the hair and makeup department are doing a stellar job outside of obviously the clickers and the runners and the stalkers, which is going to get all the attention. But I think that one of the clear strengths of the makeup and hair department is the aging and de-aging of the actors. Something that they're doing in the show, specifically in this episode, that I really enjoy compared to the game, which is never really talked about and glossed over, is kind of hygiene and showers. (laughs) So the shower in this episode... There are multiple showers taken. Everyone's like, oh, my God. Like when Frank gets in the shower and the hot shower is like, guys, stay in another five minutes. This is incredible. This yeah. is crazy. It must feel so good. But also deodorant, uh, Ellie finding the tampons in the basement, and, and just hygienic things that humans need. I, I think that's they're doing a really terrific job in this show, like showing that here and there, like little bits of things that aren't really in the game at all. And it helps you feel civilized. You know what I mean? Just taking a – when was the last time Frank took a warm shower and just like little things like that makes you feel like, you know what, I'm trying to bring some civilization and back to myself as a person rather than going three years without even taking a shower. So I like that as well. This episode is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Don't forget to use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order right now. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. And they do a bi-monthly movie poster giveaway contest with us. Be sure to go to movieposters.com and use our promo code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your order today. Also, when they cut to 2023, I like how they made it seem like you thought that Bill was going to be in the wheelchair because of the gunshot uh, sitting on the porch with them. When we cut to, it was actually Bill walking and approaching Frank, who was sitting in the wheelchair on the porch, not Bill. And then we learned that it's not explained what the disease is, but I could I pointed out I noticed pretty quickly it was probably Parkinson Parkinson's uh, disease. That's from my guess from the painting. But also at first I thought it was cancer at first, but once I saw the prob- problems with his motor functions, then I was like it's probably Parkinson's disease, which is a degeneration degenerative disorder, which just destroys your your brain, your mind, uh, your motor functions, your physical every part of your physical body. So. Uh, I, I like that it was unexpected, and it's also like, how do you treat that as people who are living in a post-apocalyptic world? Like, uh, the medications they have probably do something, but, like, it's it was, it was just a really great idea and really cool story beat to throw this into the storyline. Also, it's, so Bill, I don't want to spoil it. I don't know, because I didn't watch you playing enough of the game. I don't know if Bill survives or not, so we don't want to spoil that for anyone who maybe wants to play the game. So I suppose that it was very romantic and like a very loving and fitting conclusion to have Frank obviously wanting to commit suicide, but then Bill wanting to join him because, like Bill said, it was very touching that Frank gave him purpose, protecting him, taking care of him, making sure that Frank was safe made Bill feel fulfilled. He is old. He feels that his life was more than good enough, and he's happy to join his partner in, in death. And I thought that it was like very Romeo and Juliet. You're going to get me going again. The, the, <laughs> tears, the tears are coming soon. Stop talking. Oh, my gosh. Whew, getting hot in here. Uh, getting flushed. But what's, what's so beautiful about this story, and maybe people don't know it, so 
the apocalypse happened in 2003. Uh-huh. And so in America, there were no states where gay marriage was legalized yet. And so right, right. even though that happened in 2003, they're living in Massachusetts, which is ironic because Massachusetts was the first state to legalize gay marriage in 2004. So that's why it's kind of interesting and, and beautiful how they wait until their last day together to finally get married because, you know, in their world where they grew up, it wasn't legal yet, yeah. which is horrible. And it, it's like too bad they couldn't just wait like another year for the apocalypse to happen to legally <laughs> get married and really be together. But they would have never met if yeah, the apocalypse Yeah, exactly. They would have never met. But um, it's actually really interesting to, to point that out. And because they're in Massachusetts, it's really ironic. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know it was 2004. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was when we were kids. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, they were ahead of the curve for sure. <laughs> yeah, should have happened a long time ago. <laughs> um, but this episode was really tragic and beautiful. And, you know, as much as, it, like I said, the plausibility of it happening in a post-apocalyptic world, I still found it very, very touching and endearing and very funny. And their relationship was so, so cute. And I loved it. It felt realistic and authentic. And there it is. I cracked up. I cried, and this episode was was really terrific. Like you said, we don't we don't have to have zombies getting killed with guns every episode. However, my one con to this episode, let's hear. I wouldn't even say the other stuff I brought up are cons. It's just like little tiny little nitpicks. <laughs> but my one con is is Joel refusing to carry weapons now that he has access to Bill's entire armory. He's refusing to bring any more weapons on and. Uh, the assault rifle we explained earlier, and he explained the show. He's like, "There's no point bringing this. There's no ammo anywhere. Like, yeah. where are we going to find ammo for an assault rifle? Handguns, sure. Rifles and like 22s and stuff like that. Absolutely, that's all over the place. So it's really on to me, especially like just grab a nine so, millimeter. So you're saying at the end of the episode, he didn't he didn't gather weapons? No, no weapons yeah. at all. Because right, in the game, you're yeah. constantly like waiting to get a new weapon. You get the bow yeah. and arrow. You get the rifle. You get the shotgun. You get uh, all all kinds of cool. Always weapons. loading up. Yeah. yeah, you have a revolver and a nine millimeter. So it's it's kind of on to me that he doesn't want to carry any weapons. I don't know if if they're doing it and to save it to not have him carry any, too many weapons right now because. Because he's got the revolver, maybe that should be enough. But it's it's kind of a weird for me. It's kind of a weird tactic that they're taking with the story going forward. Maybe they want the, the show to be not exactly pro gun in this kind of landscape That's that we're living guess. in. That's so maybe they guess. want less guns in the show compared to the game. Obviously, the game is a first person shooter. You're, you're blasting people constantly. <laughs> it's what you. It's what you do. You're shooting zombies and and runners and clickers all day. Maybe he did grab some guns, but they just didn't show it. That's possible. I, I'm I'm seeing that the look that he gave Ellie of like we're not he doesn't even look at the guns on the wall. I so I I thought I thought it was implied that he was saying no to her taking a gun, but he and, didn't, and he, then, didn't, he didn't grab anything. But that's what my I feel like maybe he grabbed stuff off screen is my guess. We'll find out. We'll but find I don't out. think he grabbed a single gun. Yeah, but you're right. Having just a revolver, it's not a smart tactic, but because it, it only has six uh, bullets in the in the handgun in so the gun. Slow so slow to reload too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you definitely want to have a nine millimeter or a Glock or something that can hold several more rounds to just have that more bullets to work with. And we're just talking like survivalist mode here. So yeah, you're you're going at not just against the infected, which are everywhere, but also against humans. He which said, are, yeah, we get a hint of that. They're they're yeah. some of the biggest monsters you'll face in the game as well as in this world. Obviously, we had the sequence with the Raiders and Bill's fencing and, and his rifle took them out. But you know, it seems odd to me that you're in this bunker full of this armory. Grab a couple handguns. But we yeah. do see earlier in the episode, Ellie was like, can I get a gun? Like, I want to get a gun. That's very accurate to the game where Ellie's always asking Joel and Tess for a gun at some point. Like, come on, let me help out. I want to do something. Which, you know, she finally, I won't, I won't spoil the game actually, but. I saw she, that part. She finds the gun, which was Frank's that he used 
when they were being raided, which had probably been there for for years, like a decade, or maybe that's what they just keep it there for safety. Yeah. And Ellie takes the gun and puts it in her backpack. It's gonna get used. It probably will. They wouldn't show it if it's not gonna get used sometime soon. So I'm I'm guessing it'll be used next episode. It's I'm, possible. I'm not gonna say my theory of how it will get used, but I guarantee you, episode four, Ellie's gonna fire that gun. Didn't you see it get used in the? Yes. In when I was yeah. playing. I saw a gun get used, but you saw. I think you saw her use a gun. Yes, I did. So you, you. I think we both are gonna guess how it's gonna get used. Yeah. So I was just. I'm just. That's the one con I'm really having to this episode. No, I, I understand. Not I understand. grabbing weapons in a yeah. post-apocalyptic world. I understand that you know they take up space and they're heavy, but you're going against. You gotta entire... go. You gotta go John Wick style. I mean, what, gotta, ha- what happens? Load up. What happens? You gotta if go you're commando. Surrounded by a bunch of clickers. Yeah. All right, we got six bullets. Good luck. Yeah, don't, you, don't make a noise. You gotta commando style it. So I understand your point, and I totally agree. Uh, but maybe I'm just saying maybe they loaded up some stuff off screen, and we'll see it in the next episode. So that's possible. Still, I disagree. It's still possible. But also, one of my favorite scenes was the strawberry scene. It was really the strawberry scene was very really nice. touching yeah. and endearing. Yeah, not on the strawberries, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> which really... gun? I sold. The, I traded a gun for it. which gun? <laughs> a small one. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah, that was. And those strawberries looked really good. The piano sequence was really touching. Yeah, as Yeah, well, the too. musical uh, themes in this film in this uh, episode were really nice but other than that you know this was a really powerful episode and like i said i really love how we're getting we're exploring things that we don't get to see happen in the game that we know existed whether it be frank and bill's relationship or ellie and marlene i'm sure we'll see some more of the past more of joel and tess because uh anna torv's on for five episodes this season she's only been in three so we can assume next episode of the or a few more episodes we'll get some flashbacks with her she's gonna be a runner (laughs) (laughs) no she got blown up she blew up bro yeah yeah, she got (laughs) but i think it was a a really interesting impressive narrative that they did in this episode it was a very unexpected but in a very good way i think that they made a really nice romantic uh, very touching little kind of it was like a little movie in the in its own you know what I mean it's like it's smart that they're when they have new characters they can just do like the origin of that character for for villa for episodes you know what I mean and of course having Max Richter's on the nature of daylight play yeah is obviously going to get the the juices flowing in the eyeballs real quickly. <laughs> That's one way to describe crying. Oh, man. <laughs> the juice in the, the eyeballs. The juice is flowing in the eyeballs. Woo! As soon as I heard that going, I'm like, oh, here we go on the nature of daylight. Yeah. Of course, it's in like 10 movies, and it makes me cry every time, or you have a, like an existential experience. I think most powerfully done in Arrival, yeah. as well as, what's another great moment of, of the nature of daylight? It's also in Ad Astra, right? I uh, well, Max Richter did add Astra. I'm not sure if he put that song in it, though. I'm pretty sure it's in there. It could be. It could be. It could be. Of the it's nature. Po- it's possible. Of daylight. Let's see what. Let me get a list of movies that. But it's great in Arrival. It's like. On the nature of daylight. Uh, Johan Johansson, I don't think, was able to get nominated because they used uh, On the Nature of Daylight so much. And if a, if a score is made for a movie but a, a different track whether it be a song or composition made by another composer, is used too much in the film, it ends up being like this song is part of the film's voice, then that prevents a composer from getting nominated. All right, I have a list of all the movies that On the Nature of Daylight by Max Richter were in. So Stranger Than Fiction in 2006, 
the trip and Shutter Island in 2010. Shutter Island, that's what yes. I was trying to think of. Yes. Euro Dreams of Sushi in 2011, Disconnect 2012, White Knight, Luck, The Face of an Angel, The Connection, Sherpa, Me and Kaminsky, Arrival in 2016, which it even says right here, uh, disqualified the film's original score from the Academy Awards. What a bummer. Because it was used too much, yeah. Vadiman Sensen, The Innocence, Castle Rock, Togo, Lighten Your Eyes, 911 Episode Malfunction, 35th Anniversary of EastEnders, Amazing Stories, The Handmaid's Tale in 2001, the ep- Episode Progress, Cleo in 2022, and The Last of Us, Long, Long Time. That's a lot of movies and shows to be in for one song. That's crazy. Wow. It's a great song. Also in The Leftovers. Yes, Richter did Leftovers. He did the entire thing. Man, that okay, so I was wrong about Ad Astra. You were wrong. You were wrong. right about the composer, but you were yeah. wrong about the track. Man, I've been listening to Johan the past couple of days. He is, he was so terrific. He, yeah. he made some beautiful scores. Yeah, the theory of everything is really great. That it's one is wonderful. like, I have yeah. like, I feel like out of body experiences when I listen to the theory. He won of the everything. Oscar for that. It's so incredible. Yeah, it's a wonderful score. It's it's maybe that better than the movie. It's it's so sensational. <laughs> yeah. All right, that wraps our review of The Last of Us episode three. Long, long gone. Cannot wait for next week's episode of the show. We'll keep doing Monday episode reviews of every new episode of The Last of Us. And we like to not watch the teaser trailer for the next episode, so we're not going to... Like in all these episodes, we don't talk about what we think's going to happen next because we just don't have any idea what the teaser reels. So I like to be surprised when I watch the episode. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised when it was the entire episode took place at Bill's Town and compared to the game because they definitely glossed over some stuff that happens after the State House in Boston. But again, budget constraints, you, yeah, only, yeah, you can yeah. only do so much. But I love the Bill's Town. It was so much fun. I like how different it was. And, you know, they're doing things for the show that fit a cinematic audience better as well as budget constraints. You can't have a hundred clickers shoot them up in, for, in one episode yeah. they gotta save that for like one or two episodes i'm sure the finale in the last two episodes of this season are going to be full of clickers runners stalkers maybe a bloater in there here and there it's going to be a blast i think we'll see a bloater next week i think next week I'm, i haven't seen the teaser but i'm assuming it's going to be a bombastic action adventure Ooh, i like that bombastic action adventure we'll see you four. next time for it take care raiders of the lost podcast is a mirror image production sound mixing done by jacob kosler Opening music by Chase Jackson.